Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Brian Satin, and what a Raw we have to discuss. A historic Monday Night Raw. The first Monday Night Raw where Triple H is head of creative. As we reported earlier today on the website and reported widely everywhere else, Triple H is now officially head of creative in WWE, overseeing all creative decisions, and it was very evident that someone new was pulling the strings. But before we get to that, before we get to each segment, before we break down this week's Monday Night Raw, I first want to give a little love to someone who left a review on Apple Podcasts. It was Texan2020. He gave us five stars, and he even said it in the headline, the subject line, which I appreciate. It says, great podcast. I enjoy I enjoy hearing the interviews and your thoughts on the show, Texan2020. Really appreciate the love. For those of you who listen, please, please hook it up with a review. I, I It helps the show out a lot, so I cannot stress enough how much I appreciate those of you who helped me out by showing the show a little bit of love. All right, let's, speaking of shows, let's get into Monday Night Raw. The show begins with a brawl in progress between The Miz and and Logan Paul stopped by backstage officials and were shown that the fight started before the show even began. I thought this was a great way to kick off the show. I thought that people want to see changes. With Triple H in charge, people wanted to see little changes. Just little changes. We realized that it's the first episode of Triple H's tenure as head of creative. We're not going to see these major shifts quite yet, but I think people just want to see that we're going to see some sort of change. There was massive interest in this show tonight because it was the first time Vince wasn't going to be head of creative. And I feel like kicking it off with a fight in progress between someone like Logan Paul, who's a huge name outside of WWE, in a brawl with The Miz, was super smart. I feel like it, you know, it's, it's, it's explained later in the show that it kind of feels like there's a lot of chaos happening throughout the night. It's a, it's a running theme from the beginning. And as someone who enjoys chaos... Uh, for me, this is the kind of show that I enjoy watching. So, uh, you know, even with the podcast sometimes that I do, I kind of like to start the podcast with a conversation in progress rather than my first question. Because I, I think that when you're starting something in progress, you're like, whoa, what am I missing? What is, what's been happening? And you're kind of excited right from the get go. And that's what we got here with The Miz and Logan Paul. Now, we'll get more from them later in the show. We'll get to it. Uh, but just in terms of this opening, you know, segment in the beginning, I thought that it was a uh, a smart way to open the show inside of Madison Square Garden for Triple H's first show as head of creative. Can't stress that enough, right? <laughs> oh man, thought I had the computer muted. Now I've got it muted. <laughs> um, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you, make you all think that. Someone's writing you on Slack while you're listening to my podcast. I get so frustrated when that happens and I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, wait, did my phone just make that noise? Oh, it was the person recording. You didn't silence all your stuff, did you? <laughs> okay, so after that, we got right into the bloodline making their entrance. And I thought that similarly, it was smart to not waste time getting into it. Like the Miz stuff happened with Logan Paul. You know, we, we saw that Logan Paul... And Miz got into this fight as the show right before the show was about to start, and then we're immediately into Roman Reigns, top guy in all of WWE, coming out inside of Madison Square Garden. He asks to be acknowledged, then tells Paul Heyman 
he doesn't feel like talking anymore. So Heyman takes the mic, welcomes everyone to the island of relevancy, and he continues to talk, but the mic cuts out. <laughs> and this is the first of uh, some like, whoa, crazy, wasn't expecting them to go there lines that, that we heard in this segment. Because Heyman gets another mic after his mic cuts out, and he, he asks the sound guy for his name, and he says, well, first he says, we've got a sound guy that must be from New Jersey or something. Gets a big pop from the crowd. But then he goes further with it, and he says, we want your name written down. You're the next one out the door. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought that was going to be the most, uh, uh, the most surprising comment made in this segment. Uh, but no. Nowhere near the most surprising comment made in this segment. Uh, but first, Heyman says um, he, he's kind of like hyping up SummerSlam, obviously. And he talks about all the times that Brock Lesnar has rained on someone's parade. Undertaker, Cena, etc. But make sure to make it known that Brock will not be doing that to Roman's historic reign. He says it's time for Brock to go back to Saskatchewan and slaughter a bunch of hogs. Roman Reigns will finally rid himself of Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Now, this segment gets interrupted by Theory with his Money in the Bank briefcase. And Roman's face here, you can see that he's he's already hungry and he's he's ready to attack. Uh, but, uh, but not quite yet because Theory comes out and says the bloodline seems to have forgotten the most important thing heading into SummerSlam, which is him cashing in Money in the Bank. Uh, Roman takes the mic and says, uh, you're just going to stop right there because Theory's still not inside the ring. He's talking all this mess outside the ring. <laughs> and so uh, he says, if you're going to step foot in my arena, at least step foot in my ring and, and acknowledge your tribal chief. And uh, he first has another good line here, too. He goes, wise man, we like him, right? <laughs> and like, he's all right. He's all right. And so uh, he then... This is when the heater comes. He says uh, he wants to offer some words of wisdom to Theory. And he says uh, Theory needs to look around, survey the situation a little bit because your daddy's not here anymore. Obviously referring to Vince McMahon being, uh, re- retiring from the company. And the place melts down. The roof blows off. The fans cannot believe Roman, Reign went, Roman Reigns went there on night one, uh, the play starts going crazy. Even Heyman has this look on his face like, whoa, I can't believe Roman Reigns went there. And the crowd then starts chanting, daddy's gone. And I died. My fiance heard me from downstairs in my office crying of laughter because I couldn't believe they had Roman Reigns go there. I waited till commercial break and I was like, okay, now you can come up so I can tell you everything that you missed because I know you're interested. <laughs> but so they're chanting, Daddy's gone. And Roman chimes back in with, You heard him. Daddy's gone. And then the crowd starts chanting, Who's your daddy? And then, Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And, uh, and then uh, Theory's got this look on his face. And Roman says, I'll tell you who his daddy is. If he keeps messing with the tribal chief, I'm going to be his daddy. Uh, I run the garden now. They then the bloodline leaves, and Theory tries to hit Jay from behind with a briefcase, but Roman stops Jay from attacking back, and they leave uh, to to fight Theory later in the show, which we'll get to. Um, this was insane. This was 
insane. I think that I saw on Twitter all day of people being like, oh, we're not going to see much of a difference on this show. Like, this show is going to be a regular run-of-the-mill Raw, even if Triple H is in charge of creative. He's, you know, he's only back. He's only just been back. It only got announced today. They still got SummerSlam plans. Um, and Triple H came out the gate hot, hot out the gate. This was a fantastic way to start the show on both ends. Uh, Logan Paul and Miz, Roman Reigns, just ethering uh, theory. Just, oh man, so entertaining. Like these, this is the kind of raw that I like to watch. Uh, just, you know, it, it was good. I felt like I was watching something that of, of yesteryear and it was real nice to see Roman Reigns just loose free to say what's on his mind uh and it, it it was it was good it was good I tweeted I said here's your here's your crown chief <laughs> to, to Roman Reigns because man oh I was I was thoroughly thoroughly entertained so then after the break Theory starts to cut a promo in the ring. Not a good night for Theory. Uh, Theory starts to cut a promo, and he's interrupted by Drew McIntyre. Match begins between the two and ends in DQ after the brawling brutes get involved. Lashley comes out to even the odds as we go into another commercial break. And just, like, right off the bat, man, like, all this stuff, just everything is happening fast. I think sometimes I feel like Raw can move at too slow a pace. And this did not feel like there was a slow pace whatsoever. It felt like the foot was on the gas, and I was into it. <laughs> I was very into it. This becomes a tag match. We get Theory and Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre and Lashley. Sheamus hits white noise on the outside of the ring, and it seems like Theory might defeat Lashley inside the ring while alone with him. But Dolph appears ringside and distracts Theory again which helped Lashley win. Theory starts to leave. He's on the ramp eventually, and, and the Usos attack him from behind. Then Roman comes out and stands over his limp body with the briefcase and tells Theory to make the right decision with it at SummerSlam. Roman looking like the ultimate mob boss here. Uh, everything up to this point has been done right and i man i can't speak enough about how much i enjoyed this first like hour first honestly the whole show was good i'm not gonna say it was the best raw of all time or anything like that but it was a great change of pace uh in in more ways than one which i'll kind of get to as different things pop up that i remember but man i was just uh really enjoying the way roman reigns was made to look like just the just the absolute goat of WWE right now. After that, we had uh, Rey Mysterio career retrospective video for the 20th anniversary of his debut in WWE. And then Rey pulls up in style with his family earlier in the day. Got a sick tan suit on. Got the Eddie shirt. Or excuse me, like the Eddie, uh, the playoff of the Eddie shirt. But I believe it was the Mysterio shirt. Backstage, we had an interview with Dolph Ziggler, and he explains that the reason he's been messing with Theory is because Theory needs to be taught a lesson since he hasn't earned everything that he's gotten so far in WWE. Uh, AJ walks into the frame saying he can appreciate what Dolph was doing, then Alpha Academy show up and challenge them to a match. I think that um, with Dolph here, I like that we finally got an explanation. I don't think we needed anything too intricate. And the way they're playing it is almost like tweener rather than 
heel or babyface because it feels like they want to be able to turn him back heel if need be as soon as this is all over. So um, he, he, I think it works. I think it works in the tweener role. Um, and I just I couldn't help but think that this is eventually this this does not feel like a full blown face turn for Dolph Ziggler. I know that was kind of like the question when he first came back a few weeks ago, but. You know, as time has passed, it does not feel like a full-blown face turn. So then after that, we had Rey Mysterio come out with Dominic for the 20th anniversary celebration. The crowd's chanting, thank you, Rey. And Rey reflects on his career a little bit and says, guys my size back then weren't part of the business, but I broke that blueprint of what a superstar should look like. Obviously, he did. Man, like, Rey Mysterio, in my opinion, is one of the all-time greats. So yeah, I was uh, super stoked on this. The, I, 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 I enjoy seeing Rey Mysterio get love and get appreciation for what he's done on, on a grand scale like this. And, 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 and so um, I felt like they did a really good job of just kind of like letting him say what he wanted to say about his career, kind of like John Cena a few weeks ago. He said, uh, as a smaller guy and a damn proud Latino, he became world champion at WrestleMania 22, and then he thanks some of the people who helped him along the way, such as Dean Malenko and Conan, which it was cool to hear both of those guys name-dropped on WWE TV, and then Batista, Kurt Angle, Edge, and of course, Eddie Guerrero. Nice to hear a huge Eddie chant break out in Madison Square Garden 15 years later. Um, definitely one of those things where it never gets old here, and the fans still give love. To Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio thanks his family as well as the fans for the support they've given him the past 20 years and gets emotional looking into the crowd. Balor and Priest eventually show up in the crowd as well and they make their entrance for the match up next. I was shocked this happened without any real interruptions. They kept flashing back to uh, his daughter Aaliyah and his wife in the back and I kept thinking to myself Rhea Ripley's gonna show up this is two prominent females we've the 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 ray and dom are not near her near the 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 two women um i was just like oh this is doomed this is doomed there's no way this is getting off there's no way this is happening there's no way that ray mysterio's 20th anniversary celebration is gonna happen successfully we know wwe but keep forgetting the vince mcmahon era is over now so we're in the triple h era and that didn't happen we got just Ray getting to pay respect to the fans, getting to receive love for what he's done for the past 20 years, and it was just a nice little moment for Ray's 20th anniversary debut. But, obviously, there's more to the show. We had the Mysterios uh, versus Judgment Day after that. Uh, I liked how Finn Balor tries to pull the Eddie Guerrero chair trick, uh, but it doesn't work because the referee doesn't turn around, and then Ray does it to him instead. And before the Ray can DQ, before the ref can DQ Finn, uh, Ray and Dominic uh, get the upper hand on Priest and Balor, hit dual 619, uh, 619s, and then Ray hits the frog splash to get a win over Judgment Day. Once again, I'm watching this going, man, this, this is all going so well for the Mysterios. I, I'm, I'm quite surprised. But of course, Triple H, he's not letting that happen because this, you know, I felt this was a really smart booking here. We had Ray celebrating his locker room after all of this, and Aaliyah busts out the, the OG Halloween Havoc gear. And Rhea walks into the locker room wearing an I'm Your Poppy shirt. Like I thought, Rhea come, Rhea's, you know, 
here to to cause some havoc with Aaliyah because Aaliyah steps to her and, and gets pie faced for it. Then Rhea drags Dom out of the room, and uh, which also was surprising to see. But I mean, Rhea is such a badass; it definitely works. And then Ray gets attacked by Balor and Priest. Priest power bombs Ray through a table. So ultimately, didn't work out for Ray. But the reason I liked this so much is because everybody gained from it. And that's one of those things where sometimes I felt like you'd watch a lot of Monday Night Raw and and you you, you just go, well, why didn't you? Why couldn't we have something where everybody gains from it in some way? And that was what I got from this. Ray gained from the 20th anniversary celebration. Ray gained. From winning the match because similarly it's a celebration of Ray, but Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley came out looking the best, and they need it. They need it more than Rey Mysterio does right now, and they came across as looking like three absolute badasses who don't give a f about authority and who are ready to wreck stuff up backstage. And I felt like even though they lost, they came out of the show. Looking fantastic. All right, before we get to the rest of this, let's do a quick commercial break. All right, after the break, we had Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. Uh, it was a quick segment between the two of them that descended into a brawl that was broken up by backstage officials. And like I said earlier, it was noted on commentary here that the show has been chaos since it began. And I really did feel like it's felt that way up. It had felt that way up until this point. It felt like there was like this constant urgency and as someone with ADD this keeps my attention more when it when it feels like everything happening on screen is incredibly urgent um you don't know what's going to happen something might pop up something might happen here like you it keeps your attention on the screen the whole time and that to me is what you want when you're watching television in any capacity so i think that you know for me you know i'm not watch we're not watching a slow drama, we're not watching, uh, you know, a game show, this is sports entertainment, and it's hard-hitting, it's chaotic, there's crap talking, there's a, a hodgepodge of stuff going on, and I really did feel like that was evident in this, I felt like even people's in-ring styles were more present, and maybe it's just I'm overthinking it because of Triple H being back, but, or not even being back, but being in charge, and, 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 wanting to probably leave his stamp on the show and start to make some change for positivity, positive change uh, more quickly. But I almost felt like the, the the superstars themselves didn't seem as restricted in the ring. Like they were really going for it and kind of able to do what they thought was best in the ring. And I could be totally wrong. I, I could be wrong all the way, but I just got this vibe. Like they just like, they all felt a little more free in the ring. Um, and it just, it, to me, it showed. It looked like everybody was having fun. Alexa Bliss, backstage after that, she vows to come at whoever wins the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam. And then Ray is shown being tended to backstage, and uh, Balor and Priest walk up to him, and, uh, and they kind of like a distraction. It's like, Dom's like, hey, come, come on, guys. And then Rhea hits Ray with a, a super kick. Uh, and I, it was cool to see Rhea being physical with the dudes. Like, made Rhea Ripley come across as a badass. I really think that Judge, the Judgment Day, J Triple H dropped the. I really think Judgment Day, <laughs> the Judgment Day, is gonna 
go places with Triple H leading creative. Finn Balor, we all saw the way he was presented in NXT. Rhea Ripley was an absolute beast in NXT. Uh, Damian Priest shined in NXT, and they were all presented in in, uh, dominating ways when they were part of the brand. So to have them as a heel faction together must be something that, I I shouldn't say must be, but I I think it's something that Triple H is going to utilize very strongly and and keep as an act near the top of the card right now. Alexa Bliss versus Dewdrop. After that, Alexa wins by by reversing a move into the twisted DDT. Um, I think... Hmm... Well, I don't want to do my predictions for SummerSlam yet. Yeah, I'll save those. I'll save those. So I'm not going to say what I think, but uh, who I think Alexa Bliss is going to face against after SummerSlam for the title. But I will say that she's such a great talent, and I think that this new version of her character is a great balance of the two. Um, I think the people who like the Lily thing still got the Lily thing. People who liked what Alexa Bliss was doing before she got involved with the Fiend get what they want. Nice little blend of the two characters going on right now. And I think it makes all the sense in the world after SummerSlam. I, I thought she was going to be in the title match at SummerSlam. So makes all the sense in the world to have her as the next title contender for uh, Bianca or Becky, whoever wins. <clears throat> AJ offers support to Logan Paul backstage following that. And uh, he just asks him to shut Miz's mouth at SummerSlam. So then we get impulsive TV with Logan Paul and The Miz. So, here's what happened. Uh, Logan Paul comes out still kind of acting heelish. Still kind of acting heelish. I, I know that he, he's he's acting the baby... He's playing the baby face heading into this, but his mannerisms just scream heel. I almost don't know if he even realizes it but his just he plays the role of a heel so perfectly that it's gonna be like i've said before it's hard it's gonna be a struggle for him to get people to cheer for him because he's you know he's 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 got his swagger walk coming out then he gets in the ring and he's talking about being in a madison square garden and mentions how his brother uh, jake paul will be fighting a madison square garden next weekend which obviously gets a huge boo from the crowd when you're playing babyface, you don't call out a heel. I realize he doesn't think of his brother as a heel, but I'm just saying. Just saying. Then he calls out the Miz. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then he calls out the Miz and says he wants to finish what they started earlier in the night. But Miz doesn't come out, which keeps annoying Logan, so he calls out the Miz, tiny balls. But instead, Maurice comes out carrying a purse that's two giant balls. The two bicker about balls before Miz finally comes out. Marie, Marie slaps Logan before he can say another line about, yes, Mrs. Balls. And Logan says, congrats, you have bigger balls than your husband. Yes, a lot of ball talk. Uh, Champa attacks him from behind, though. Logan catches him, throws punches in the corner, but they team up on Logan. The Paul brother fights back, but he gets a skull-crushing finale to end the segment. <sighs> I hate to say it. I hate to say it because I've been a big fan of everything that they've done so far in this. I shouldn't say big, but I've, I've thought everything they've done so far has been good and effective. This, to me, felt like the first miss heading into this match. I felt like... I think they were almost cheering for the Miz, which I don't think is the 
the intended result. I just think it's really hard to get Logan Paul to be a good guy. I just think the people want to boo him. It's what the Logan, it's what the Paul brothers have risen to fame. It's how the Paul brothers have risen to fame. People like to boo them. I I know as someone who gets booed sometimes what that's like to not want to accept that, <laughs> but they get paid lots of money to not accept it. And I I I just felt like people were almost cheering for the Miz here. And I know we're mad at Square Garden. It's a it's a it's a crowd that's die hard but just yeah a piece of me when i was watching this i i thought man that opening segment was just so effective with logan paul and the miz where it looked like they just wanted to beat each other's asses both of them just ready to just ready to tear each other apart before the show even begins can't hold back but then we got this and it was more of the ball talk and it was it was I just, even though Maurice played her role well and Miz played his role well here as well, and even Logan to a certain degree, I don't think he was bad. It just, I just can't help but think when I'm watching this that he is still miscast as the babyface heading into this. Now, bigger crowd in Nashville. Maybe there'll be a different reaction. Maybe he will get a big baby face pop there when he comes out. It is very possible that I that that what I'm saying here ends up not mattering. And he still gets a baby face pop when he comes out. However, uh, I just I just I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'm not even I'm not even like I'm actually someone who doesn't even dislike him. I listen I've listened to his podcast. Like when he has an interesting guest on, I put it on just because I like to listen to other interviewers and you know, see what I can gain from watching their content or listening to their interviews. So I do have respect for the guy. It's just when it comes to like getting cheers from the audience, I feel like this guy has to work overtime times ten <laughs> because they're just such known heels to people who don't even know what a baby face and a heel are. So it just makes it tough. It makes it tough. And, and I'm not even a... I'm a fan, like I said. But I just know that from the wrestling fan base, they can be a tough crowd to win over. After that, we had Kevin Patrick interviewing the Street Profits and the Usos with Jeff Jarrett. Standing between them, since he is the special guest referee in their match at SummerSlam. And Double J lays down the law between the two teams. Fun little segment here. Uh, after that, we had Ziggler and Styles versus Alpha Academy. Ziggler gets the pin with a nice-looking zigzag. Um, and this was one of those moments where I kind of had that thought to myself about them being less constricted in the ring. Like, just the way that they were all flowing, everybody was doing their thing. It, it just looked like they weren't worried about getting in trouble for some small thing not looking right and we're able to try and do different things to see what works and what didn't to a certain degree when it comes to like how they were selling and just little things it was just little things that i noticed but it 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 just i hate that i can't tell if i'm overthinking or not <laughs> i hate that i can't tell i don't know i could totally be overthinking it i need you guys to tweet me i need you guys to tweet me and let me know if i'm overthinking it because i'm like i'm alone here i didn't have time to look on twitter to see if other people thought that some of my wrestle friends weren't watching live 
I'm flying blind here, but so so it could just be me. Um, but it was a vibe I got. I also kind of felt like I could be crazy, but did we not see a lot of recap content either? I could have sworn we didn't see a lot of recap content. Maybe I'm just imagining that, but I feel like we didn't. I, when I like when I was thinking about it at the end of the show, I thought to myself, did we not see 20 recaps? I, 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 I don't know. I, maybe I've gone delirious from, from, from not, you know, from seeing them so many times, you know, but I just felt like there were less of them. Tweet me though. Let me know if I've gone crazy. Let me know if I've gone crazy. But it just felt like even if there was like a recap segment, it was maybe really short. It wasn't like it was before where they reshow a bunch of the same segments 10 minutes later right afterwards. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Let me know. Uh, I've been working a lot the past couple days. <laughs> All right. Main event time. The Bloodline versus the Street Profits and Riddle. Riddle gets laid out in the corner and Jimmy Uso makes a show of tagging Roman into the match. Riddle gets beat up by the bloodline until eventually getting the hot tag to Montez. Montez and Roman wrestle for a little bit, and Ford gets bloodied up by the bloodline as they begin to gang up on him. Now, I just want to say real quick, I really thought this was um, clever booking and maybe not intentional. It was kind of like easy based on everything that's been going on, but you know, Riddle had his match against Roman. Montez had his match against Roman previously, and it it was nice to see them both kind of get solo time with him to kind of play back into all of that, even if he was still victorious over them in the end. It's also interesting to see uh, Ford bloodied up and them focus on it. I feel like for so long they, they've moved away from it when, when we see that on TV, but it, they, they definitely focused on it and it added to, uh, it amped up the drama of what we were watching. Riddle gets tagged back in, gets on a roll, Eventually gets the upper hand on Roman Reigns. It looks like he's going to hit an RKO, but Roman reverses it and hits the spear on him for the win. Main event is over, and as Roman is starting to walk to the back, Seth frickin' Rollins' music hits. Roman and Seth come face-to-face on the ramp. No, Triple H era is not starting off with, with the Shield coming to blows. Two members of the Shield coming to blows. No. Nothing comes of it. Seth laughs and is like, move out of the way. And then Seth hits the ring, attacks Riddle, does a stomp on Riddle, then sets up steel steps and does it again on those as the show comes to a close. An actual cliffhanger ending. A cliffhanger ending. What a novel concept. I enjoyed it. I feel like we don't get those as much lately. Gotta say, in conclusion, like the show flowed better than it has in many recent months, like talent were all used in logical ways that helped everyone get over or made the story better heading into SummerSlam. There were new camera angle attempts, blood in the main event that they focused on, a cliffhanger. Felt like there was stuff happening, chaos, urgency, all things that I like, all things that have been missing from Raw. Really enjoyed it. Very promising first episode of the Triple H era of WWE. Now, let me know what you guys thought of the show. Like I said, I'm here alone. I'm flying blind. Let me know if you think I'm crazy on some of these things. I really do enjoy reading your guys' feedback on the show. So please, please let me know 
I appreciate it. Also, speaking of feedback, like I said at the top, go leave a rating or a review for Add a Character on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's you know Spotify, whatever, whatever you can do on there. Because I think on Spotify you can't actually leave a review; you can only leave a rating. But leave a rating there too; it helps. Let people know. Let people know that these are happening. If you like it, share them, retweet it. Let me know what you're thinking of all this. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was man. I gotta say, like uh, this podcast went a little longer. I think it was because I was excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited at the promise of a Triple H era of WWE. Or right, before I head out of here, make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find the video of out of character. Every Monday when it premieres this week, we had Gunther on the show. Very fun conversation. Guy was super chill, super laid back. Would not have expected that from a man who terrifies me so, so much. So, so much. <laughs> but but really cool conversation, so go check that out. And also, follow WWE on Fox on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I am going to be making the first TikTok this week. You should be following us so that you see it. WWE on Fox on TikTok. I'm also on Twitch. Ryan Satin stream, streaming some old wrestling there. All right, I'm done. I'm heading out of here. I will be in. I will be in Nashville for SummerSlam, doing lots of stuff coming up. I do will not have a SmackDown roundup. However, we got some prediction stuff heading your way at the end of the week and a bunch of other stuff that I'm working on. So stay tuned, and I appreciate you guys joining me for the Raw roundup this week. Later. Have a good night or day. I don't know. Wherever you are. Have a good next few hours. How about that? Can we, can we agree on that? Okay, good. Have a good one.